0: A journey they must take, a destiny to fulfill. As close as your imagination exists a magical place where wondrous creatures
1: with incredible powers help make dreams come true. It's the
2: world of Pokemon. Welcome to Now Playing's Pokemon Retrospective Series.
1: Prepare for more trouble than you've ever seen.
2: And make it double. We're on the big screen. Part of Now Playing's video game movie review series.
1: Nuts that's what the game
2: Hosted by Arnie. So uh, you're addicted to caffeine. I could stop whenever I want. These are just choices. Another round, extra shot. I guess nine, thank you, sweetie. Justin. Get me the hell out of here. And Stuart. To them, this is just one more challenge. They follow their hearts. That is what sets them apart and will make them Pokemon masters. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. This is what a Frenchman would call Caliente fiesta." Listener discretion is advised. We're going to do this, you and me. Pokemon,
1: gotta catch em, Gotta catch em, Gotta catch em Pokemon, the first movie, I choose you! <laughs> Starring Veronica Taylor, IQ Otani, Rachel Lillis, Eric Stewart, directed by Kuniko Yuyama. Take that back. Yuyama! <laughs> Don't be talking about my mama. <laughs> this is Arneus, your mythical podcast host, and Pika 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 Stu asking, Why am I here? <laughs> <laughs>
3: And this is Justin, and I would be lying if I said that nobody has ever accused me of being a pocket monster, so I'm here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a monster in my pants, and it does a funny dance. (laughs) That's my frame (laughs) of reference. I'm like, oh, I know that song. (laughs) So, welcome
1: one, welcome all, to, you know, every retrospective we've ever done, Mm. somebody has had a finger hold. We usually have the fan who's going to be the one who guides us through this world, be it Stuart with the Scorsese DiCaprio stuff, or even me with the mutant Ninja Turtles. But I think this is our first time where every host, every single host, even the ones not on this call, would be virtually entirely out of their depth as we wade into the waters
0: that are Pokemon. I think it's like a performance arts version of like three men and a baby. We're just going to (laughs) be passing it around. Like, how do we change the diapers? I don't know how this works. I fully admit, I mean, I think if you've listened to me talking about this upcoming wing of the Now Playing Arcade, the reason why we're doing it is it's a video game and we need to cover all of that. And you didn't even know that. You thought for sure we were getting out of it. (laughs) I know nothing. I think I knew that they translated as pocket monsters. But beyond that, I knew nothing. And so my attitude approaching this is I have to just leap into the air and say I love it and just embrace every creative choice as something that is for me. Because I can tell you, if I were being completely honest, this is just nothing I would ever think that I would need to go seek out. That said, I will say I've learned a lot and I've been surprised by a lot of what Pokemon is and isn't. I'll agree with that.
1: I have approached this almost as an anthropologist going in to study a foreign culture. I have genuine curiosity. Like I said, Stuart had thought this started as a card game. I was like, no, it started as a video game. Unfortunately, I was right, so here we are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I had genuine curiosity as we got here. How did it start? When did it start? What are all these various games that I hear people talking about? Pokemon Diamond and Pokemon Black and Pokemon Fire and all of this. And I'm like, I really want to understand that legitimately. However, like Stuart, this is never something that would intentionally go in my Netflix queue. And in fact, I'm actually disappointed. I've been watching some of this on Netflix. It's going to like skew my suggestions mm-hmm. for years yeah. to come. You're going to get all those Yu-Gi-Oh! recommendations. Oh, Dragon Ball Z <laughs> has already taken over the home screen. <laughs> With that said, I think it's the job of every critic to be able to say whether a film is good or bad, whether or not it's for them. You know, I don't think Michael Medved is a very good critic because he'll never give a horror movie a good review because he just hates horror movies. I think that's the difference between a good critic and a bad is one who can examine the art and the technicality and the writing and not just go, I would never choose to be here. So that's my approach to the pokey movies.
3: I think that's fair. But the start of this conversation is making me wonder now if I was an absentee father while my kid Tyler was growing up because he was way into Pokemon. But guess what? I never had to sit down and watch any of these Pokemon movies. I just knew he had some of the cards, he had some of the toys and stuff like that. But, you know, I went back and talked to him a little bit, and he's well-versed in all this Pokemon stuff. So either I wasn't around while he was watching this stuff growing up, or I just kind of lucked out and just missed it.
0: You know, I don't think it means you're a bad dad. I do think that people can indulge their children without knowing what they're giving them. Like, they're just like, oh, you like this? Let me just buy these things. I mean, we can all remember being bought presents we didn't want because the adults thought, oh, this is part of what you like. And it was like, no, this has nothing to do... You bought me an Intellivision cartridge, and I play Atari. Well, I'll never forget my mom buying me the GoBots play set. It was just (laughs) not right. Yeah, (laughs) What is she thinking? But yeah, no, that's no reflection on you. And again, a lot of surprises, starting with, for me, yes, chicken and egg, where did this all begin? Pokemon was developed by a game designer. I assumed it was like Hello Kitty or Kim Kardashian. Pikachu was just famous for being famous and (laughs) popped up on brands just all at once. It's a lifestyle choice. If you want a water, buy a Pokewater. Like, it's just on everything. I didn't think the video games were even the selling point.
1: And yet, this is really surprising to me. The Pokemon family of video games is the second best-selling video game franchise of all
0: times. Yeah, then surprise number two. I was stunned by that. I reread that sentence 20 times. Second only
1: to the Mario family of games. And
0: Mario has a
1: 15-year head start. Mm-hmm. So that means that odds are Pokemon will
0: overtake Mario In the next decade. Wow. Wow. Well, we'll see. You know, we never know with trends. I know they're working on Mario movies, so maybe that'll happen. We are, of course, building up to Detective Pikachu, a live-action film, (laughs) sort of. One of those half-animated, they've got to get some child actor to walk around with Pikachu, voiced by Ryan Reynolds this summer.
1: (laughs) I can think of no movie better for you stewards mm. than ryan reynolds yeah it's and
0: pikachu yeah it's everything i love it again that's my default when i have no other words i love it it's great i'm such a pokey fan
3: i really thought that when i saw that trailer it was gonna end with like a college humor stinger or something like
0: <laughs> the, the onion okay i get it but no it's it's real Right. It is really happening. It's something I denied. Pokemon did not go on our calendar many times. We're out of order because this game premiered in 96 and we've been covering games that premiered after the millennium. Again, I did not believe this was a game franchise, but not only is it, it's one of the most popular of all time. I didn't necessarily know either. My experience with
1: Pokemon in the past comes from nephews And I have a couple of friends, one of whom I talk about on the show, he went with me to Green Lantern, he went with me to Aquaman... He has a whole Pokey side of his life that I choose just to not acknowledge because I will, I felt like before this deep dive, I'd respect him more if I didn't know how into Pokemon he was.
0: Yeah. I mean, we all have that geek side. I mean, I feel like, yeah, there's just things that no one else is going to understand you that the common people, you just, you have a private life. And so, yeah, if you're into Pokemon and you're over 25, yeah, you may not share that with everyone in your circle of friends. What's weird is thinking about when this hit big in the
1: States, though, the late 90s, when my nephews were very young. And, yeah, I watched perhaps half an episode of the cartoon series. I found it to be headache-inducing just because of how loud it was. It seems like they were always shouting, I choose yeah. I just, I'm like, can you not speak in a normal tone of voice? This is when I realized I was being an old man. I was 25, but I was feeling really old when my nephews were just glued to Pokemon, and I saw them have cards and things, but I started toy journalism in 2005. Pokemon was only seven. I have been at so many events with Pikachu. I have photos from over the span of years, from 2006 to 2015, (laughs) of Mario and Pikachu posing together.
0: (laughs) And not you? You didn't jump in there and photobomb? I'm the cameraman. (laughs) Okay.
3: Pokemon seems like once it's been here, it's never really gone away. I mean, sure, it's ebbed and flowed in popularity. And, you know, even before, like, Pokemon Go came out and, like, took over the world there for a few months... I would still remember, like, seeing releases of two games at a time, a a red and a silver, and not really understanding what was going on. So
0: the the game has always been there and always had a fan base. Here's another surprise I had, and it's a doorway into talking about how the game came to be. Pokemon springs from the creator's love of entomology. Mm -hmm. He was a young man in a forested area outside Tokyo growing up in the 70s who got the nickname Dr. Bug because his friends knew he liked to go out and collect critters And this is an extension of that. His original idea when he saw the Game Boy was, wow, that link cable could actually be used to transfer one bug to the other. It's just a natural progression for his love of classifying insects and phylums and all to have all of these little monsters. And I think for many people, bugs are gross and monstrous. For him, it was a passion stemming back before he was even into designing video games. He did have other video games before Pokemon. I'm wondering if you guys know Mendel Palace. Most of these weren't released in the States. No, that one's an NES. Okay, then no, I don't know that one, but I did look him up and the majority of his games weren't released in the States. No, there's two that came in the States. Mendel Palace, I remember selling it. I was in the electronics, but they stuck me in toys. I ended up selling quite a few copies. It was a puzzle game. And then Yoshi, Mario's dragon, dinosaur, whatever he is. Oh, yeah, I know. I
1: mean, I remember Yoshi showing up at a Super Mario game, and then he... Got a spinoff of his own. I
0: know of it. Yeah, it was his gateway into Game Boy. I realized not only have I never played Pokemon, I've actually never held a Nintendo Game Boy. I've never held a portable game system. Were those good? My sense was that it was always crap when you reduced video games to that size and that level of design. The original Game Boy was basically
3: just a Tetris player. I mean, beyond that, there was no color. It was just a gray and black LED screen. That's what I remember about it.
1: Its biggest game was Tetris. I never owned one, surprisingly, but I rented one. There was a place in town that would rent you one, and I wanted to try it out because there was a Spider-Man game on it, and I was really into comics. We're talking 1990, 91, so I rented it. And I played it for a week, and I remember thinking that it was kind of slow, the graphics were small and black and white and hokey, and it was completely frontlit. So if you were in a dark room, you couldn't see anything. Oh, interesting. They okay. actually ended up selling an adapter of a flashlight that snapped <laughs> on the front that would shine a light on the screen so you could see it in like the car at night and things. I actually went the other way. I got a Sega Game Gear, which, mm-hmm. very ironically, it's touting you can see us in the dark, but you couldn't see them in the daytime. <laughs> it's a we'll get one for the day and one
0: for the night. Problem solved.
1: I ended up getting my first Game Boy was the Game Boy Advance which was like the third gen. They had Game Boy, Game Boy Color. Then they got to the Game Boy Advance, which would still play all the old games. So I got that so that it would Mm -hmm. play some of those games for me. And now I find myself the owner of a 3DS specifically because of this Pokemon Retrospective series, because I need to play some
0: Pokemon games and this is what they're on. Yeah, they were made. The thought was... It needed to be a handheld system because you could go out in the forest and collect them all. And there is something about just the classifications. When you start to learn about Pokemon, as I have, you know, you, you find out it's very particular to region. Like, did they come from Kanto? Did they come from the Orange Isles? And there's also a type. Like, there's 18 different sources of power. You could have a psychic one, a fire one, dragon, grass. I mean, it is about being nerdy and specific and naming it. That is part of the thrill, is to know that there are 150 different monsters out in the forest, and you've got to collect them all. Yeah, you you learned that the hard way. We'll talk about that next week. Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is the one thing that I have always known about it, though, is that growing up in the age that we grew up, the collect them all came from Kenner and Star Wars. So that's that's what kind of created our generation's need to go out and complete a collection. And I could see from very early on, that's what Pokemon was doing, too. Even if I didn't understand it, I knew that they were trying to get kids to understand each of these characters and some of them were more special, some were less powerful, but you had to have a collection of all of them.
0: Surprise number four. Did you guys know... uh, First of all, Justin, did you play the game ever? Like, I know you weren't into it, but did you even give it a whirl?
3: No, until Pokemon Go came about, I had never touched a Pokemon game to even try it out. So I was completely in the dark on it.
0: I had no idea that it was a role-playing game slash a fighting game. I assumed that it was kind of like... Tamagotchi remember virtual pets like the whole thing was like you grow them and you nurture them and you if you devote enough time to this little battery-powered device it will grow up into something that doesn't cry all the time I knew Pokemon got bigger I assumed that the fun was to catch a Pokemon classify a Pokemon and make it your friend now, I knew there was fighting. I mean,
1: just f- what little I knew, I knew there was the combat. So I knew it was a fighting game. I was surprised, though, to find it was a role playing game. Of the three of us, Stuart did a deep dive into Poke culture. I took it on to
0: explore the world of Pokemon video games. To this day, I still have not played a video game. I let you do all of that. But I love it. <laughs> I started off with the original.
1: Pokemon Red, which came out with Pokemon Blue. Now, to me, I'm like, okay, at least they came out during the Game Boy Color. I mean, why else would you call it red and blue? Nope, actually, they didn't. These are black and white games named by colors, which just seems
0: like a horrible tease. You want red? You want blue? All you've got is gray. Yeah, it seemed part of the success of this. When I was looking back on the history of the creator, Satoshi Tajiri, it seemed like the stroke of genius here was that he got people to buy it twice. Or in some cases, multiple times or multiple iterations. But that there was 150 monsters broken up between red and blue. You could only get 75 in one game. I think it was 80. There was a
1: crossover period of it. There were some in both. But yeah, if you wanted them all, what you were supposed to do, theoretically, because it's the same game. I played red Mm -hmm. and then I played blue. You were the same character. It's the same levels. The whole difference is the monsters in it. And come to think of it, I played pretty deep into red and pretty deep into blue, and I haven't noticed a huge
0: difference... I mean, they both have Pikachus, Okay, and they both have... That was my question. Were these characters that I know from having watched the cartoons all there in the original? It seems like they're all this going to be there. I believe so. Now, I played a lot more blue than
1: I played red, but I played deep enough into red that I started to know the types, and I knew the combat and all of that. So the intent... I could look at this generously or crassly. Crass viewpoint would be you have to buy the same game twice generously would be you can buy either one and then you just literally yeah you
0: trade with your friend and how does that work you literally get a Game Boy cable and you can like hit a button and it goes like email. Kind of. I mean, there was a game
1: link cable before this came out. It was what inspired this game. Mm-hmm. And it was so that you could play head to head. You know, you could play like a street fighter, for example, mm-hmm. and fight each other. And this game link cable would allow you to do that. And in the game, there's a little
0: counter you go to to do trading from other color. You're using the word trading. My thought was, I knew that there was a little bit of fighting, but I kind of thought it was like another 90s game, Pogs. Do you remember the, like, milk cap game? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. slam it down and whatever flips over. Like you, I thought it was like you hustled each other, winner takes all, and you take, you're no trade, you take somebody's Pokemon away from them. Is it not that aggressive? No, no, and... I thought the same thing about
1: Magic the Gathering back in the day is that it was like gambling. You were gambling your cards, and if you lost, you could lose thousands of dollars worth of cards. No, I mean, you do not steal from other players. Even NPCs in the game, if you're going up against Brock, Brock is actually the name of the first trainer in the first game. Okay, he's also
0: in the cartoon, that's where I know him. Of course, one of our co-hosts, he doesn't like to talk about his Pokemon pack. (laughs) (laughs) But... When I'm fighting Brock in the game, it's basically
1: a boss. You have to pass the mm-hmm. boss in order to move on in the map. So if you don't have friends to trade with, they have virtual friends to fight. Well, you have to fight the virtual people mm. to go to new areas and get more Pokemon. Because there's, you have to get to the mountains to get the rock Pokemon. You okay. got to get to the water to get the water Pokemon. So when I'm fighting against an NPC in the game, I can't steal their Pokemon. You only steal Pokemon in the wild
0: who are unowned. And is there any part of the game that is just about you lifting up rocks and looking under bushes and and literally finding the monster? Like, is it hard to find them or is it all about two people have found one and now they're going to fight for it? Neither. Okay. <laughs> let me let me explain the game because I was a little surprised.
1: And unfortunately, the game measures how long you've played it and tells me how many hours of my life I have spent. I have spent about 35 hours
0: playing Pokemon.
1: <laughs> oh, that's nothing. <laughs> I mean, I thought
0: you were going to tell me, like, you had sold all your Star Wars stuff and, like, was all it. So you're just this character,
1: 10-year-old, whatever you name yourself. Ash Ketchum. That's... One of the default names is Ash. I just put in the name of Arnie. Okay. And you, at the age of 10, are able to leave home, go out on your own, and become a Pokemon trainer. That's the story of the game. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like the very first episode of the cartoon, because I watched a few episodes of it. I was surprised how much the cartoon was starting the same way as the game. And you'd go next door to a professor's house, and he'd give you your first Pokemon. And you could choose between a Squirtle a Bulbasaur, or a Charmander. Then you just go out and you wander around, and if you go into grassy areas, then Pokemon pop out and attack you. It's not like you're fighting over who can get that one. You're just wandering through the grass, and basically the program will say, Okay, every time you move a hex, it's rolling a die behind the screen. Does one pop up here? Does one pop up here? Does one pop up here? Oh, okay. And then you walk enough in the grass, one pops up, you fight it to
0: weaken it, and then you can throw a Pokeball and catch it. Got it. Or you can defeat it. Okay. So one fight is really you and the beast- And then once you catch it, you can pit it against somebody else's. Right. Mm -hmm. You
1: never fight. It's beast versus beast. Mm -hmm. You as the trainer choose which beast goes out and what moves they do. Okay. But here's what really hit me. I was shocked to hell. There's another game I really got into as part of this video game retrospective series that this not just reminded me of, but ripped off. Okay. Is it when I played? What is it? Final Fantasy. Oh, well, I definitely played that. Final Fantasy Part 1 mm-hmm. was a role-playing game where you picked your class of people at the start. Right. And you walked in the forest. I know exactly what you're saying now. Yes, there's a lot of wandering in that game. And you just wander in the forest, and then monsters will pop up, and you fight the monsters, and you get experience points, and you level up, and you get new powers as you go. I'm like, son of a biscuit, you guys ripped off Final Fantasy. And then I ended up reading, and it was the designer's love of bug collecting. But he also loved Final Fantasy. He Hmm. literally took the Final Fantasy Game Boy game and said, we're going to make this with bugs. So it is Final Fantasy Part 1, with the only difference being, when you're fighting someone, you can now capture them and bring them as part of your squad. But to a T, turn-based combat, and... I played a lot of Pokemons. I started with red and blue. Then I decided to try out what yellow was to see how that differed. It was for the Game Boy Color. Mm-hmm. This is where they rewrote it a little bit. Now all of a sudden you have a Pikachu following you as your first Pokemon and he won't go on the ball. Does that sound like a certain cartoon story? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they, with yellow, just redid it. And now Pikachu is a main character, which was actually completely bad because Pikachu is so damn tough that... It makes all the early combat way too easy. Mm. Surprisingly, though, because I liked Final Fantasy a lot, I found myself playing this more than I had to for research purposes. Ah. I found myself in the game. So I am kind of right. You are thinking about collecting, getting some more. No, here's the thing about Pokemon is it's just a little too cutesy where I would never be seen in public wearing a Pokemon shirt. It's just too cute. And when I see cute, I think of two things, children and women. You know, because women can go out in pink My Little Pony shirts, and that's fine. That's cute. If a man goes out in a pink My Little Pony shirt, you're going to get some looks. I'm not saying you should get looks or shouldn't get looks, but you're
0: going to get looks no matter what. And I totally get that. And you know what's interesting? Reading the history of the game, there was a real discussion. Like, this came out in February 96 in Japan, and it took till September 98 to make it to the States. And the reason was, there was a real debate about, maybe we don't just translate the text, maybe we redesign the monsters so that they are more monstrous, so that they they aren't seen as wimpy and, you know, Japanimation... It, It isn't always translatable to America. There have been instances where Astro Boy or Hello Kitty have gotten a toehold here in this country. But by and large, at that time, I think it would have been an open question as to whether Pikachu would have been cute or too cute, frankly, for gamers in the States. It was too cute for me. It tarnished my
1: entire reputation of Pokemon, thinking of it only as a infantile property, not just Kitty. But literally, like, this game should be played by kindergartners.
0: Again, I didn't know that they were games. I thought it was a children's character like Barney or Teletubbies. (laughs) I thought it was made for children, and then it just found its way to everything that children touch but I'm surprised how much I actually
1: did enjoy the game because it is a Final Fantasy rip. The only thing I can say is Final Fantasy makes me think a little bit more. This game, I realized after playing, it got mindless. It was literally like I could watch a movie while playing and pay 99% attention to the movie and literally just like mash A, wander through grass, mash A. It takes zero brain power, but it is a little bit addictive as I... I didn't want to collect them all. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't want to buy a second system so that I can transfer them from a different game, but I did want to explore the map. I wanted to see all the different regions it offered. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I no longer will judge my friend who's constantly coming over with his 3DS to play the newest Pokemon. The games are habitual and they're fun and they're role-playing and they're not as silly as I thought they would be.
0: One question that I had, certainly as I was watching the cartoons and everything else, I know they fight, I know they lose, I know they get collected and repurposed. They go to Pokemon hospitals, sinners, I think is what they call them, and Nurse Joy will take care of them. But can they die in the game? Is it like a Tamagotchi or other role-playing where you can beat on something long enough that it just goes four legs up?
1: No, specifically it says they faint. They don't even get knocked out. Your Pokemon fainted. You know, it is kid gloves when you lose combat. And there's no training. That was something that actually disappointed me, as you're called a Pokemon trainer. Mm-hmm. I thought you'd actually have to work with them. Going in, I expected Tamagotchi. I really did. I thought I'd have to remember to feed Pikachu every few hours or something. No, you're the trainer, but there's no training. Just you fight with them, they level up. And that's quote-unquote training them a new power. You also can pick up, like, power-ups and train them a power just by pushing one button. But there's no care and feeding of mm-hmm. these things. That's or very that.
0: different than a virtual pet.
1: Yeah. So I was surprised how little of that there was. In the yellow, Pikachu doesn't like you to start to mirror the TV series. Mm-hmm. And so you have to talk to him, which means just face him and hit A, and then you'll see his face. And the more you do that, the more he warms to you. And then once he's smiling, okay, whatever. I threw him in a computer because he wasn't even helpful when fighting Brock. So-, <laughs> so you
3: just brought up something that has been a major question for me while sitting down and watching these things. Obviously, the game came first but how close was the game and the tv series like was the tv series years later or was that something that they kind of drove each other
0: one year later and it it, it kind of hit everything like to put it in perspective february 1996 in japan we get red and green actually those were the colors in japan and then they released a subsequent one that you could get in through mail order in the fall They introduced the trading cards with the same characters. They just kind of wanted to see, is this going to fly? Huge success, huge numbers. So by March, April, they're able to have a comic book, and they're having an entire season... The Indigo League, I think what's probably considered the Pokemon cartoon, are the first 82 episodes that will run from April 97 all the way through this movie we're here to talk about and beyond. It won't stop until January 99.
1: And while they have series in them, from what I can tell, the Pokemon TV series... Is like The Simpsons. You forget it, but it's still going on. It's been going for 20 years. There's hundreds and hundreds of episodes. That Indigo League, they call it the first season. It was broken into two seasons here. Over
0: 80 episodes. Yeah, wow. It's huge. And I did my best. I couldn't catch them all. And they're not even readily available. But I did do a deep dive to just try and understand the phenomenon from that Side of things. And so I watched probably 20 episodes of the series. They're half hour made for kids. God help me. I was like, this is really going to hurt. But I instantly saw the appeal and it brought up a semi embarrassing story Arnie. I, it, you may want to throw a book at me here, but it reminded me of a certain point when I first met you. <laughs> second grade. What did we like to do? We wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons, but my brother had all the hundred decided dice and I didn't really know the rules, so I made up campaigns that were filled with hundreds of cats. <laughs> For some reason, like you had hundreds of cat, like if the if I decided to take the campaign underwater, here comes scuba, like some cat in scuba gear to to swim down. It was like G.I. Joe for Cats. It was.
1: (laughs) You know, we'd call it a role-playing game, but it was basically a choose-your-own-adventure thing Mm. where Stuart would create a story, and I would be a character in that story. And I wouldn't be—you know, we'd play a Little Dungeons & Dragons, and I'd be a magic user. We did lots of campaigns, but it seemed like we always went back to the Cats well what that was okay. was we started off as a fantasy where my parents died <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you should tell this but i, I do remember having that fantasy <laughs> and they left me millions of dollars okay and i stayed in that house yes and you moved in as my roommate okay and then Five cats showed
0: up on the doorstep. (laughs) And it turned out these were talking magic cats. Yeah, this is like a Disney movie gone horribly, horribly wrong. This is worse than Pokemon ever could be. (laughs) And you were the one who just came up with cats. And
1: then these five
0: cats... Were like Smurfs mm-hmm. <laughs> The Smurfs so- were popular I think that's what I was ripping off They were all had like hardy Smurf and whatever You know the cats were virtually clones
1: But it wasn't just cats
0: Yeah it did They're- become like an entire zoo By the end of it <laughs> We
1: had a moat around my house for the alligators <laughs> And in the back yeah. Were tigers And there was a ferret who would constantly steal from me
0: I'd say we jumped the shark But we did that early <laughs> I think it was when the space alien came That we really like overdid The albino (laughs) (laughs) cubers. Anyway, it was fun, and it passed second grade recess quite often. If I were that age watching Indigo League Pokemon, I would be in it. I would be into it. I would be collecting it. I would want to participate in that. That is the mentality I used to digest those episodes, and it helped. It also helped that I've always had Asian dogs. We had Pekingese. Now I have Pugs, and there's just something about Pikachu that reminds me of that animal. Although, surprise number 14, Pikachu is an electric mouse. <laughs> I had no idea that it was a rodent. I thought it was a dog. I just thought it was
1: its own thing. I didn't even realize that. I didn't go as deep as you did. I watched five episodes. I wanted to watch the first arc because I realized these movies are all in, with the exception of the live action one, they're all in continuity. It's all the same characters. And I felt like going into the movie, what I was expecting, Smurfs was very much on my mind. I felt like I should see the good episodes of the Smurfs before Johan and Wee showed up in the movie. <laughs> yes. So I decided to see the origin of how all these people came together and how they got Pikachu and all of that. So I watched five episodes. I learned who Team Rocket was. Mm-hmm. I saw Pikachu not like Ash and then come around to Ash. I saw him pick up Misty and Brock along the way. And then I was like, okay, I've had enough of this, but... I was thinking this is not a TV series that would have ever appealed to me, but you hit me. I was seven years old, second grade. Yes. The age my nephews were around this time when this came out, born in 90, 91, 92. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's the time I was watching Smurfs and things. And if I was into Smurfs, I could have very easily gotten into this, which is like Smurf Combat.
0: And the shows had uh, overarching storylines. They'd leave on cliffhangers sometimes and you'd have to watch tomorrow to see what happened next. Yeah, that Wizard of Oz quality. It's a road quest in which this 10-year-old boy is going town to town, competing in these matches, trying to earn badges to become a Pokemon master. That is the ultimate goal that he will not achieve. By the end of the series, the shock is you think, well, of course, if I invest into 82 episodes, I'm going to see him become Pokemon master. He will lose the big contest. And not only will he lose the big contest, But the person he loses to won't win the championship either. Like, he's not even coming in second.
3: (laughs) The Adventures of Fourth Place Ash (laughs) is what we just watched.
0: (laughs) And to be clear, Ash is Ash in America, but he's Satoshi in Japan because the creator, Satoshi, saw it as a young version of himself. But
1: also, keep in mind, it's a cartoon series that's been going for 21 years now. He
0: still hasn't won the tournament, nor advanced past age 10. Well, you've skipped ahead. Thanks for ruining it, Arnie. Thanks a lot. Now I guess I won't watch those 900 hours of shows, I guess. Thank you.
1: And according to a YouTube, 107 things you need to know about Pokemon. Okay. I think number eighty-two was—he's never gotten even past the semifinals. Oh,
0: sure! Wow. <laughs> okay. Again, you always think Rocky's eventually. I mean, by Rocky two, he's going to win. Like, yeah, they set this guy up as a chump. But this is going to bring me to a segment I'd like to introduce every time we do one of these Pokemon shows—the Pokey controversy. Because I do think part of the fun that I have as an adult looking into this phenomenon is seeing where it goes wrong, where it might be a little too Japanese for American audiences. (laughs) This week, I want to look at this first season. And point out some of the controversial episodes, the ones that did not air in America. Oh, this will be fun. I know there's one with boobs. There is, and that did air in America, but with that snipped out. They did, (laughs) what you're referring to is Beach Blank Out blastoids, (laughs) which uh, Misty, Misty, the cute redheaded sidekick that always seems to be really kind of a tomboy with no sense of sexuality is made to parade around in a bikini to get money while men catcall <laughs> and throw cash at her him. And, you know, she... Even weirder, Team Rocket, we'll talk about it more when we get into the series... But it's Jesse and James. They they almost seem like twin siblings. Yeah. But the male decides to get silicone injections and is walking around. That's the boobs in question. It's actually trans boobs. So <laughs> there were several layers of surprise that didn't make the cut in America.
3: Wow. Well, if Bugs Bunny could dress up
0: like a, a woman. Sure. You know? You know what? But did Bugs Bunny get silicone? That's, you know... <laughs> Stuff in a bra is just a little bit different. What I didn't realize, speaking of
1: Misty, Justin, we go to Comic-Con every year. I didn't realize this is a huge cosplay thing. I thought the girls in short shorts and yellow tank tops, just that was their fashion. No, they're actually cosplaying as this redhead. I No idea. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff just
3: kind of washes over me, especially when it comes to this style of animation. And if I've seen those girls around too, I could have thought maybe they were like a Sailor Moon person or some other property I'm not aware of. But yeah, now that you mention it, there are quite a few of them walking around every year.
0: Three more episodes I'm going to briefly mention. Episode 35. Would love to have seen this. I saw clips, but apparently they get to one safari zone where a Clint Eastwood style guy has like, is packing heat. Like he points a gun at Ash's face and shoots at him. And then later, I mean, it's untranslated. They never even thought of airing it in America. So I couldn't, I didn't know what it was being said, but Meowth is actually dressed up like Hitler. I, he has the mustache. Like, I don't know what that's about, but I'd love to. And I don't know that they can explain it to me, but the Hitler or the gun being shot at children got it banned. (laughs) Christmas Pokemon, mostly inoffensive. It was a storyline in which Team Rocket tried to kidnap Santa Claus. You know, they're always up to hijinks. Well, this time they were up to jinx. And this is the blackface Pokemon. There was actually a Pokemon that looks very stereotypically like something you cannot air on American television, racially insensitive. And I understand that Jinx got elected to Virginia governor, but probably nowhere else in America would he be able to air on television. And then, of course the most notorious episode of Pokemon of all. The one that I knew about before I even had seen anything. Cyber Soldier Porygon, or Electric Soldier Porygon, which in of itself is kind of controversial because the translators were clearly doing something with English. because what they're talking about is polygons. Porygon is a Electric Soldier Polygon in a Tron world of computer animation. Ash gets sucked into a computer. And they decided it would be really cool to have all of this light strobing effect and send 635 Japanese children to the hospital with seizures, giving them epilepsy on December 16th, 1997. What's
1: funniest about that, according to the 108 things you need to know about Pokemon, is that Pokemon in question there has never been put back in an episode, like he was banned.
0: Porygon, yeah. He's, he's hated <laughs> a band without a country. But it was Pikachu who did the flashing. Well, they what they thought they were a computer virus, and so they shoot missiles at them. And yes, Pikachu blows up those missiles, and it's, it's only six seconds. As a fully grown adult looking at it, I thought it looked cool. You know, I could... I can almost forgive the animators for thinking that this wasn't going to be a big deal at six seconds long. It's not like Poltergeist, which half the... Anytime you're in the room with the static TV, there's a strobe effect in that can really screw up some people. This It's such a minor part of it, but it was enough. I mean, again, 635 kids is a lot.
3: It's also a controversy that had further reach than just cartoons. I mean, it's made video games have to start looking at that and put
1: epileptic seizure warnings on the beginning of games and stuff like that. So, Hell, when I went to see Glass, there were big signs on the door about the strobe effects every time James McAvoy changed
0: personality. Huh. I didn't even notice that. All right. But yes, I I agree. We're not sensitive to that issue. And I think in Japan, culturally, kids were just sitting really close to the television screens. So they're really getting a full face of it. I mean, I guess that was part of the problem. A three-year-old with not fully developed ocular abilities, sitting that close and getting six seconds of blue and red that fast. It did a trick. I mean,
1: have you seen Tokyo Apartments? They make New York City look luxurious. I mean, there's just not a lot of room to sit away from the television in Japan.
0: (laughs) Anyway, let's get to the movie we're here to discuss. Oh, why? It's so much more fun to talk about everything else. (laughs) I think that we can start with, like, my nightmare. Like, the worst (laughs) thing Pokemon that I saw. If it were like the show, I would have only seen one episode. Pikachu's Vacation, which ain't got nothing on Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. I mean, this is not a vacation you want to take.
3: Hey, I kind of dug the theme song. That was kind of upbeat.
1: Yeah, I was really into the theme song. Repeat after me. I need a vacation. And then I found out it was vitamin C.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm glad that she went on from that one hit of Graduation. So, you know, and they used to do this in the old days. Certainly, if you want to pad a feature that's not feature length, you want to throw a short on. And for American audiences, they put 22 minutes of a gang war between two (laughs) tribes of Pokemon going to a theme park. You know, it's narrated
1: by the Pokédex, which for the uninitiated, the Pokédex is something you have in the game that is basically like a Palm Pilot. You yeah, know? I mean,
0: it's an outdated <laughs> idea, but it's a Rolodex. If huh? you know what that was, it used to be you wrote down things on a card and then you could pull up someone's phone number by thumbing through it. The idea was it was an encyclopedia of every Pokémon but shaped and, and looking like a Game Boy. Yeah, and so it was a digital device that would allow you to keep track of them all and keep stats
1: of them. Well, in the cartoon, they can talk. So it's narrated by the Pokédex because with the exception of Meowth, who is the cat on Team Rocket. Yeah. Pokémon can only speak by saying their name and each syllable is a word. So Pikachu can only say Pikachu. chu It can go in any order. Pika Pika, P-P-P-P. Choo-choo, whatever, but that's all it can say. And so it has to be narrated to us by the Pokédex so that we can understand what's going on, which I think is actually a crutch. Because in Looney Tunes, there were a lot of Tom and Jerry's where they never
0: said a word, but I got that story. That's exactly what I would argue. It's like, if it's about language, let's not have any. Let's do physical comedy. This is actually being released in the States by Warner Brothers, the home brand of Looney Tunes. This ain't no Looney Tunes. I mean, this is... Well, one, the animation is crude. I was prepared for that because I had seen the TV show and they really, that first season is, sometimes they would just show a single still and have people talk over it for five, 10 seconds. I mean, they really stretched that animation out. Here it looks a little bit better, but this is not any polish and certainly has none of the style and physical comedy of a classic Looney Tunes. The big thing for
1: Pokemon fans is this was the first appearance of Meryl in the animation. It was already a big Pokemon in the games, but apparently this was the first of many Pikachu-only shorts. Played by Meryl Streep, of course, you know, after her. (laughs) It's their best role, I think. And in each Pokemon short, they introduce a new Pokemon from an upcoming game. It's a marketing thing. Now, Pikachu's vacation, I'll say this. It's too long. It's 23 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And that is too much for silent Pikachu antics. But it is like two gangs of Pokemon show up. There's Ash and his friends release their Pokemon onto a beach. Some Pokemon are there already, and they're like, this is our beach. And Pikachu gets in between them and is like, no, 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 let's not fight. Let's have sporting competitions. It reminded me a little bit like Laugh Olympics. Remember Laugh Olympics by Hanna-Barbera?
0: Yeah, that, and that can be fun when you just want to see a bunch of your cartoon characters get together and compete in some way. You hear it's swimming and running and bubble blowing, I <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay.
3: I'm okay with a lot of that stuff. I think you guys already said it. This is padding out the runtime of a feature movie we haven't seen yet. And inside of this padding out, There's padding out. I mean, they show (laughs) 10 seconds of each Pokemon in some weird, like,
1: screensaver
3: mode where there's, like, eight of them (laughs) dancing around.
1: Mm. I actually thought that was the most inventive part of it because I was like, what in the world am I supposed to get out of this?
0: Yeah. And there seems to be some backpedaling, and it made me think about the phenomenon. Again, if you're aiming for a child audience and your video game is all about fighting, well, that's not necessarily something you want the children in the audience to emulate. You would be afraid they'd leave the Theater, punching each other, playing Pokemon. Here they try to end on this very false note of, all right, after we're beating each other in the contest, we're going to build a playground together because Pokemon like collaboration more than they like confrontation. I bet you there's never been a game where you build a seesaw. I haven't played them all, but there's
1: also the where they all come together to save a dragon that got his head caught in a tree, a sewer drain I thought. If there's a lesson here, it's this should have been called It's all fun
3: and games until a Charmander gets his head stuck in a pipe. <laughs>
0: indeed and they try you know i was thinking about like it seemed like foghorn leghorn had that little chicken egg like it would be like an egg with feet or something walking around they try to do that with this baby pokemon egg thing that Again, I just wanted some physical comedy. That's all that I really needed to connect with was if it were just funny to watch these guys fall over and it wouldn't even matter. I wouldn't get mad at the confusion of who's who and what's going on, but it really isn't going for that kind of laugh. I'm not sure what the appeal is supposed to be, other than here's those video game characters on the big screen.
1: I think that's it. I think it's just that. I mean, I think about every time we go to see an animated movie in theaters, be it Big Hero 6 or be it Incredibles 2, there's always a short at the beginning. And Toy Story, they had Toy Story shorts. Pixar, they brought back a lot of characters for shorts. Disney, we saw Bow. So... It's, I think, just trying to be that only with the same characters in universe. And, you know, with that vitamin C song and it also introduced me to my absolute favorite Pokemon characters in here the Psyduck okay (laughs) I just love the Psyduck he's got like these big bovine eyes but yet a duck build platypus build Mm -hmm. and so it's like between Psyduck eating the apple that was intended for the crying
0: star egg thing (laughs) again there's a way of playing that where that does feel like a classic comedy bit of like the baby's crying and you just ate its food could have been played so much more it's just some of this is cultural I do feel like what was supposed to be funny was that the baby was crying I guess. And that just was kind of annoying. And they didn't want to elaborate on that too much. They didn't milk that for all it was worth. Yeah, I mean, you could have had the entire 20-minute short being about trying to stop the baby from crying. Or wandering away. At one point, it goes wandering away on a log, and gets lost at a theme park. And yeah, we can imagine all kinds of hijinks where you're trying to chase after a baby in peril, and it doesn't know it's in peril, and walking at great heights, what have you. Insert cliche after cliche. That's all I wanted, (laughs) and this thing failed. And I want to just say, 20 episodes of the show, there's not a one of them that's nearly as bad as this.
1: I don't know. This isn't the worst thing I've seen Pokemon so far, but it's not the best either. I did end up watching it twice. This recording was delayed. We were actually going to record this on Mewtwo's birthday. Mewtwo was born on February 6th. Oh. And so we were going to record on February 6th. We punted, and so we're no longer on Mewtwo's birthday. And so I re-watched all this stuff so that it was fresh for recording and watching it the second time. It's inoffensive, but not something I'd ever choose to
0: turn on. Yeah, I'm not going to say I love it. And again, I'm trying to get in that mentality of, I love these characters, I love this phenomenon, I love the fact that they're coming to the big screen, but this is a substandard episode. This wouldn't fly as a fan of that cartoon.
3: I think it's great that you guys sat back and kind of looked at it and held it up against some classic American type of cartoons. But for me, this is pretty much my introduction to the show. I have not seen a frame of the animation.
0: Oh, poor you. <laughs>
1: So, you've never played the game. You never played the card game. You never saw the show. So, this was really like your first exposure to Pokemon. How many tears did you cry? My head was just spinning trying to figure
3: out all these different characters, you know? And, like, I think I got stuck in some sort of loop finding out that there's an evolved version of Pikachu. I was like, whoa, I thought he was a -a one-of-a-kind type of dude. But, no, there's a bigger, badder Pikachu.
1: That's a big part of the game is when they level up, they evolve. So, there's three stages. So, like, I, there was a Caterpie. So, the Caterpie becomes a Metapod. And then the Metapod becomes a butterfree. And, you know, that's caterpillar to butterfly type. Oh, I thing. got it. It's not that brilliant. It, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> really?
0: Chrysalis <laughs> into butterfly. Got it.
1: <laughs> I have some of that knowledge from Pokemon
3: Go, and that's the biggest base of knowledge for me when it comes to this property. So, trying to reverse engineer some of that stuff into here, I wasn't sure what's what. So my brain is spinning.
1: Oh, that's right. So you did play Pokemon Go. So you had some exposure to the species.
3: Yep. And my big questions coming into this, and I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about it, is the idea of rarity. When did that come in? Was that more of a manufacturer's thing, a card playing thing? Or has that always been part of the cartoons? And to me, Pikachu has always just kind of been like the rarest of Pokemon, or maybe he's just the Mickey Mouse of Pokemon. I don't know at this point.
0: I think you're close with that second one. I definitely think he's the identifiable icon of the entire brand, but he is the obsession of Team Rocket. When we get into this movie, you'll see that Jesse James and Meowth are always following our heroes. Maybe it's not so clear in this movie as much, but certainly in the episode of the show, the dynamic is that there's this crime syndicate of of bumbling buffoon thieves They're obsessed with getting Pikachu. They have been since the earliest episodes, because even though he looked wimpy, he has an incredible lightning strike power. He can really zap you.
1: And they said he's a special Pikachu. There's a lot of Pikachu, and here's the thing that confused me, is, you know, if you get a pet, say you get a German Shepherd, and you name him German Shepherd, that's about how clever Ash is, because... Other people nicknamed theirs, but his Pikachu is just the species Pikachu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and his Psyduck is just the species Psyduck. So it's like he got a dog and named it Dog. So <laughs> <laughs> He deserves to be
3: fourth place.
1: <laughs> so it's that was what confused me is that there were a lot of Pikachu, like say there's a lot of rabbits but everybody else gave like their Pikachu names and his is just (laughs)
0: Pikachu. There's even an episode. It's actually one of the most beloved. It's a tearjerker one. I'm going to warn you. Goodbye, Pikachu, where he goes into the forest and you meet, you know, a whole, I don't know. Are they a pod, a pack, a bunch of these Pikachu and Ash sets him free and they're going to part. And they even have like some kind of pop singer come in. And you think for about 30 seconds that it was a friendship on the outs. And then, of course... Pikachu chooses Ash, and they continue on. <laughs> I look forward
1: to that moment where it's, I, Pikachu's you. The thing that I had to know coming out of this Laugh Olympics vacation segment was not only who sung that really jazzy song at the beginning, but a Pokemon talked? Why is this Pokemon speaking English? I had to look this up, and I found out Meowth, who is the Team Rocket Meowth, so they're mm-hmm. not very good at naming them either. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's sort of the Azrael. I mean, he's this villainous cat that, yeah, he can talk like Jabberjaws.
1: It turns out they gave him a whole backstory. I imagine you didn't get to this episode, Stuart. But what happened was there was a female Meowth that Meowth really wanted to impress. And Meowth's like, I don't date Pokemon. I only date humans. So Meowth learned to walk upright and learned to speak and did all this to impress a girl. And then the woman said... You're way too human for me to ever be with. You're a freak. You're no longer even our
0: species. Oh. And so
1: Meowth has a tragic romance in his past, which is why he can speak English.
0: Yeah, he is a dark character. But the darker still is Mewtwo. And he is the subject of the movie we're here to discuss. And I think we can also talk about this other short that ended up not being in the Japanese release. They didn't have this. It ended up going to home video on a sequel to this movie. They saw Origin of Mewtwo. But I think if you were in theaters in November 1999 in the U.S., you are going to see this short. It would have been, I guess, a reason for Japanese people to fly to America. Because we were the first ones to see an origin story for the complicated villain character of this film, Mewtwo. Now, Mew, my understanding in doing the research is Mew was a Easter egg in red and blue Pokemon. They said there was 150 monsters you could collect. But if you dug deep enough, Mew was the 151st. Mew was supposed to not be collectible. It was like the final boss. That was my understanding. I've not beaten the game. Okay, because we're talking about little Mew. Like right. it's this little feral white mousy thing.
1: Yeah, like if you got all of them, you could fight Mew, but you were never supposed to be able to catch Mew. You just fought Mew. Okay. But there was a glitch in the game that actually allowed people to catch Mew if you, you know. Remember how like if you played Super Mario and if you just go so far on the screen, then run backwards, then jump at a turtle and go up, you Mm -hmm. found some glitch. It was a glitch like that that allowed people
0: against the creator's wishes to catch Mew. Right. And Mew, gamers would have had some knowledge of him coming into this. The idea that there's a Mewtwo would have been the hook. It was like, oh, I've never heard of Mewtwo. We're going to see his origins. First in this, you know, it's kind of redundant. If you see the movie, I think you get everything you do in this 14-minute short. But Mewtwo actually was in
1: Pokemon Red and Blue. Okay. So... You would also have possibly known Mewtwo before Mew from the games and before this movie. That's not a tongue twister
0: at all. (laughs) Mew or Mewtwo. (laughs) But yes, so this would have been the first time to, at least if you were following the animated series as I was, you wouldn't have known about this. And so here, what we see is Team Rocket basically funding an archaeology expedition into the jungle where they ask this geneticist, Dr. Fuji, to find what looks like a little fish bone, but it is a fossil of the first Pokemon. He's like the missing link. The genetic forebearer of all Pokemon is this little mouse Mew. Everything stems from him. It's presumed to have died off, but in fact, because it can turn invisible, it's just hard to see. No one there that's at this temple collecting the Mew fossil understands that it's watching them. They go back to a lab and create a Mewtwo trying to get it back into life. I cannot imagine being in theaters, especially with six-year-olds,
1: watching Pikachu's Vacation, and then coming into this. This is unlike any Pokemon I've ever seen, which admittedly was a small sampling. But after watching five episodes of the cartoon of Pikachu's Vacation... To suddenly be in, like, this Indiana Jones, like, thing with a scientist who's spelunking to try to find a fossil. And then it's, like, doing a dino DNA type thing. There's enough DNA here. We can create it again. Yeah, maybe if they saw Jurassic Park, they'd know.
3: (laughs) Thank you. This is, like, hey, I'm coming in virginized. This is complete whiplash for me. We just watched this cutesy get to know Pokemon cartoon and now we're dealing with a doctor who took a job on the low key so he can save his daughter who seems to have died and is in purgatory and he has her essence like what is going on here
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it now I I say that ironically many times but I actually love that these existential themes are like being yeah it is suddenly parents are going to be like I was tuned out I was looking well they may not have had a cell phone back then they certainly weren't texting but they were off, you know, taking a nap with their kids. And suddenly, mommy, where does Mew come from? Where do I come from? What's DNA? These are questions you didn't want to have to answer when you took your kids to the Saturday matinee.
1: And what's surprising is it does remind me. I'm not an anime guy, but I've seen some. Like I saw Princess Mononoke. Because it was reviewed on this show, I wasn't on that show, but I wanted to keep up. And, you know, from what I know about it, seeing a little bit of Ghost in the Shell and an Avatar, The Last Airbender, there's a lot about spirituality and life and death and essences. and You know, even the Final Fantasy movie we discussed had some of that about the souls coming back. And so it doesn't surprise me that Japanese culture would go from pikachu's vacation to this but as a american born and raised this is like wow we are suddenly dark i mean this is advertised as pokemon the first movie if you're watching it it doesn't say that it says mewtwo strikes back and this is like the empire strikes back of the pokemon movies it is dark (laughs) and this short the origin so mewtwo is created And he starts to think and be cognizant and he's in this cloning vat and around him are other Pokemon as well as this doctor's daughter all attempting to be cloned and they have a psychic convergence of conversation where he's talking To the doctor's
0: dead daughter's spirit. Right. (laughs) With the idea that, you know, she's going to show him what life is being like, and then no, actually Squirtle and all of them, their molecules are just going to break apart, and they're going to die before his eyes. And he will be the only one that does not fail.
1: And it's like, honestly, a treatise on death. Why do you have to go... I don't know, I just have a feeling it's my time. (laughs) I'm like, this is child death. What are we doing?
3: And it's not like, hey, they're not hinting at this stuff. I mean, there's a scene where his wife leaves him for being too involved with trying to bring his dead daughter back. I mean, this is heavy, heavy stuff for an animated cartoon.
0: Yeah, I need to be very clear.
1: We're not discussing subtext.
0: This is text. Yeah, and the other thing to be clear is, while we keep talking about children, one thing to understand about Japanese popular culture is those lines are very blurry. Adults play with toys and read comic books and do things that we associate with childhood. Um, excuse me? And yeah, well, I mean, it has become more prevalent, but you know what I mean. It is very culturally supported that that kind of behavior is done. Like, it's just not rare. And likewise, children are exposed to these kinds of things. In fact, I can't think of any anime that I would have seen that doesn't have adult themes. And again, we know that sometimes it makes us uncomfortable because, yes, there can be moments of nudity and tentacle rape and what have you. And it's like, well, I want to protect my kids. Even Pokemon, which seems geared to kids, will not be entirely for a juvenile audience. And this short is what announces that. I like it because I feel like it's up in its game. And it's like, okay, I don't need to pretend that I'm five years, six years old. This has something to say to me now. Exactly. My point too is I
1: was like, wow, you've actually invested me. I said at the start of this podcast, I'm going to have to go in and just analyze something that I would never watch. And I would never watch this, but you gripped me with this. I can't even imagine watching this movie like they did in Japan. Or if you just got it on fricking Blu-ray, this short isn't on the Blu-ray. So this prologue to me is a vital part of the Pokemon the movie experience to see this origin. I think if I hadn't, what's going to transpire in the movie, I would not be as empathetic to Mewtwo's arc. But having seen this and seeing the origin of Mewtwo, it really has me empathizing with this creature of abnormal birth wondering its place in the universe.
0: Yeah, it feels a lot like Frankenstein. And again, that we pity that monster in that. He isn't a monster. And so I think we should get into it. Arnie, why don't you give them a plot summary for the first Pokemon movie?
1: Yes, or as the title just pushes in your face, Mewtwo Strikes Back. I can understand why in 1999 they wouldn't want Mewtwo Strikes Back, especially November. Phantom Menace had come out that year. might seem like a little bit of a Star Wars ripoff. But one of the rarest Pokemon ever is Mew. It's so elusive it's believed extinct, but a scientist named Dr. Fuji has been researching cloning in the hopes of bringing back his dead daughter. His research is funded by Giovanni, the leader of Evil Team Rocket. Giovanni doesn't care about Fuji's daughter, but wants him to clone powerful Pokemon and modify them to be even stronger. So when Fuji finds a fossil with the DNA of Mew, he clones it into the even more powerful Mewtwo. But Mewtwo is so intelligent, he begins to have an existential crisis about what his life means, since he's a clone made by humans. He destroys the lab where he was created, then Giovanni provides Mewtwo armor that helps focus his psychic powers. But Mewtwo realizes Giovanni just wants to use him, so he flees and plots his revenge. He decides the logical thing to do is to take over the Earth and kill all humans and their enslaved Pokemon, but leaving the free Pokemon the rest of the world. To do this, he starts by inviting the best Pokemon trainers in the world to his island under the guise of a tournament. Included in this roster is 10-year-old Pokemon trainer Ash Ketchum, who brings along his primary Pokemon Pikachu, as well as his best friends Misty and Brock. They're followed there by their Team Rocket nemesis Jesse and James, as well as the talking Meowleth, all of whom think they're missing out on a great party. But once on the island, Mewtwo reveals his true plans and he clones all the Pokemon brought to the island. Ash destroys the cloning machine and frees the original Pokies, who go to battle against their clones, but the fight is a brutal stalemate. And the real Mew reveals himself and tries to stop Mewtwo, but that battle appears to be evenly matched as well. Finally, Ash, Pikachu, and Team Rocket all separately come to the conclusion fighting is wrong. A weird message for her Pokemon tournament game. Mm. Ash tries to stop the fight between Mew and Mewtwo by putting himself in the middle where he's caught in an energy blast and killed. His sacrifice makes Mewtwo realize humans do have compassion for Pokemon and that he was rash in his plan to destroy the world. And the Pokemon gathered mourn Ash but their tears have the mystical power of life, and they revive Ash from the dead. Mewtwo flies off to contemplate his existence, but decides this memory is too much for the humans and their Pokemon, so he wipes their memories and puts them all back on the mainland, as credits roll.
3: Wow, this is Pokemon,
1: <laughs> huh?
0: You know, I will say, it's not like all the episodes were kitty, but I can't think of anyone that got this deep. Yeah, I do feel like this is a new level of sophistication, and maybe one meant to widen the appeal to teenagers, gamers, people that didn't necessarily watch the cartoon. Because I'm assuming you don't really need to understand the cartoon lore to play those Game Boy games. No,
1: one of the things I can definitely say about the Game Boy games is... It was fun in spite of not knowing the Pokemon. You know, I don't have to know the evolutionary pattern of a Clefairy in order to know that if I fight with this thing, it levels up and becomes a badass, you know? And so it's just combat for combat's sake. I never really got into the species. I got into the gameplay. So no, the game came first. I would never have had to have watched any of the cartoons. And I'm not even sure that watching the cartoons deepens my enjoyment of the game at all.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so bringing those people in, it's always good for a franchise, right? If you can get people to eat at the same place that they're playing and you just want to have it all in-house. And not outsource anything, you've got converts, total cultists, people that are going to drink the Kool-Aid. But you guys
3: helped me out with the beginning of this podcast with a little bit of the history here, but this being the first movie... That people are gonna come out and see. You know, it's gonna bring out people who haven't seen the show or anything like that. I was kind of hoping and expecting a little bit of backstory for our main characters. I mean, we're just kind of thrown into this expecting you know who Ash is, his relationship with Pikachu, and how these Pokemon work. Like, it doesn't give you any of that. It says catch up or just stay behind as far as that goes.
0: I think the focus is on Mewtwo. I mean, again, before we get to any of the main characters from the show, and keep in mind, this is mid-season, so not everyone's even seen the whole episode yet. It's just another adventure for them. The focus is on this Mewtwo. Like, all right, he's striking back. What does he want? There's a real easy end for me. My first anime that I ever saw was Akira, and it was about a psychic 10-year-old who was genetically modified and... Really comes back in a really angry way when he's revived, and it becomes super trippy and violent, and that's kind of what Mewtwo feels like. He's like something that should be cute, this young, cuddly character that got turned bad, and now there's something very not cute as he busts out of his jail cell and wrecks havoc. I'll agree. I think the delay in recording gave me a benefit because I
1: watched this movie before seeing any of the TV series. And that's when I decided when we delayed, I'm like, I think I need to watch some of the TV series because I want to see these characters come together because you're not giving me that here. There were questions that having not seen the TV series, I was really frustrated with, like Hmm. specifically, what is Team Rocket? Who are these rhyming twins and their talking cat that keep following around? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not an idiot. What I equated them to was the misfits in gem and the holograms. just sure. like, yeah, Ash and his team were gem and these bumbling bad guys were the misfits. But I didn't know where they came from, what their motivation was or anything. I knew Pikachu and Ash were a team just from general pop culture but I didn't know how they got together. But this isn't going to be their story. It is Mewtwo's story. And if you didn't see this movie and you were watching the TV series, you're not missing a beat because by the end of this movie, all the characters from the TV
0: series don't even remember this happened. Right. They've been able to fit it in within continuity wherever they were. The one thing you might need to know is that while the label Team Rocket usually means two similar-looking bad guys and a cat, they're actually just part of a larger syndicate. And that syndicate is run by Giovanni. And we're introduced to him in these opening scenes. After Fuji realizes that his creation is not going to perform tricks for him and instead blow up his lab, this man gets off a helicopter and tries to imprison Mewtwo in a mech suit and say, I am your master. This is Giovanni. This is the baddest of the bad. I don't know. Is he in the games that you played? Yeah, this guy and Team Rocket is in the games. And it's not these two.
1: You just keep coming across these people that are bad kids and they're like you're gonna be in team rocket because you're gonna be part of us and we're gonna take over the pokemon stuff and you know you fight them in pokemon tournaments and if you're good you beat them and then they go away you know but they are a bad influence in the game i've never gotten to the end of the game where this all might happen and i never got to mew 2 in that game either and that all this backstory of mew 2 is in the game from what i've read oh okay It sounds a little Resident Evil. You run across the Doctor's notes of cloning Mewtwo. I mean... (laughs) And I guess I'm not
3: complaining and that there's not enough backstory for these main characters. I'm just kind of expressing what I was kind of expecting coming into this. And being thrown into a story this deep with what seemingly so much lore behind it did kind of make me wonder what came before.
0: Yeah, I mean, because it's treated as an opening credit sequence. When we get to Ash at a picnic, again, this is a 10-year-old boy on a 82-episode quest to basically go throw monsters into an arena and see who wins. We just kind of see how the mechanics of that work here in the credits when some nameless guy comes up and challenges him, and we see all his best Pokemon. He's not a plant
1: of Mewtwo or anything, right? It just He just happens to be coming around and... Mewtwo is watching all the people who fight Pokemon, so he sees how
0: good Ash is. It feels very much like the show, and always there's spontaneous random people you run into and watch a fight happen. It's just uh, what people would expect coming They would not expect this first 10 minutes at all. Seeing some character they may have played in a video game get thrown into a mech suit, burst out and vow to kill everyone on the planet is not something I've ever seen on the show But this picnic is every episode of the show to some extent. And again, it sets the ground rules. You throw a ball out, out comes Bulbasaur, out comes Charmander, out comes Pikachu. And however he does against the guys that your competitor is throwing out is the match. That's the video game. That's many times the dramatic climax of the TV episodes. It should be what you expect to see in the rest of this film.
1: And here we also, we've talked about them a little bit have Misty and Brock, who just form the triumvirate of Ash's posse. They're just friends, you know? He just picked them up along the way on the road in the series, but it's not like they're a team, a pokey team or anything, and it seems like really only Ash is the one trying to be a trainer. The other two,
0: they have some Pokemon, they come along, but they're not, like, in tournament mode or anything. Right, they are functional side characters. Brock is mostly there to cook the meals. And yeah, Misty, not even sure. You know, it started that he stole her bicycle, and I just think that she had nothing else to do. That's how it comes across. All right, I'll just follow you for 82 more half-hour episodes. (laughs) 82? Again, hundreds
1: of half-hour episodes. Yeah,
0: again, I've only seen the first (laughs) season. I don't know where it goes after that.
1: I think it also is here to say girls can play Pokemon, too. You know, the main character is going to be a boy, surprisingly making this a boy's property by doing that. But my nieces were into this as well. And so saying girls can play just as well as boys can. And I do think her tomboy nature, while also befitting any 10 year old girl to not really be gendered, makes it so that It doesn't really matter what their genders are. They're just three friends with a bunch of little beasts.
0: And I think because there are 150 different characters in this Generation 1 monster, I do think that there are ones that maybe boys might gravitate towards. More than, and some for girls. I mean, I think you can find whoever you are and whatever your personality is. uh, You could probably find your dude. You guys bring up a very good point because you're right. In today's age, or even throughout our
3: growing up, what we know as far as gender type of properties is basically Disney. You know, Disney has their girls' properties and then they try to do stuff for boys. But Pokemon from the outset feels like it's just kind of non-gender It's for everyone. It's for kids and
0: people who want to collect. I think it's a good instinct for them to bring this out this way. And they're being watched by a bird in the sky that's got a camera collar on somebody behind a chair. You might guess it's Mewtwo. You may not. I mean, it may be some other supporting character from the show. If you haven't seen the show, you might just figure it's something else. But someone is watching them and sending them an invitation to come to his island to... I don't know. It's not very specific. Come hang out with the best Pokemon players, trainers, breeders there are. And Team Rocket is there as well, always. Again, that's a staple of the show is that they're always trying to specifically get Pikachu. They don't want to be left out of any happening that's going on, so they're going to snag a carrier of the invitation and trash the party as well. They
1: really don't have much to do in this movie. I feel like they could have been left out completely, and it would have tightened the script.
0: Yeah, they could have, except you just, I can't imagine an episode without them. There must be some, but I just, uh, they are such a constant. I mean, they would be like Smurfs without Gargamel. I mean, they just, you need to have that. It happened, I, and I agree. Mewtwo is much more compelling and interesting, and... You know, that's where you want to find out because he is essentially creating a biblical flood that is going to wipe out as it did before. Like in a story straight out of Genesis, it sounds like Noah. There was floods once, legendary storm called the Winds of Water that washed away just about every Pokemon except i don't know some lip service is paid that tears were able to bring the pokemon back from extinction but basically that storm is brewing again by his magic power we've seen that he has incredible command of weather and telekinesis now the storms are shutting down the harbor and it's going to make it very hard for anybody to get to his island which is the point it's a contest
3: Sure, he can conjure the weather, we see this very early, from his very strange fingertips. And for whatever reason, they felt like we needed to really get the idea that he's doing this, because they focused on his hand for a good (laughs) 30, 45 seconds.
1: It was, it was really intriguing. And speaking of focusing on his hand, I will say that having watched a few episodes of the TV series and watching this movie, this movie seems like it's slightly better animated than the TV series. Yeah. But this is not 1998, 1999 theatrical level animation. The mouths aren't matching the words. Their lips are flapping like Muppets. The tweening, if you know that word, isn't working right. You know, it's just, you can see the frames.
0: They're moving very stuttery. So this film does not look good. Some of that I'm going to throw out is cultural. I mean, I just think many Japanese animators go work for Disney and create products that look Americanized. But when you see Japanese animation, there's some obsession with stillness. I think that it's just something maybe in the way that people carry themselves even, but there is sort of a zen calm to the way characters move. And yeah, there's just not a lot of detail to the way that the characters talk and move. Maybe by design, maybe by budget, but I don't know. They had a healthy budget for this. You know, there are certain times I see them using computer graphics. That's where I see them breaking out like, hey, we'll show a door opening, and wow, isn't that amazing because it's 3D modeling. But by and large, they're going to stay true not only to the TV series animation, but just to the spirit of how Japanese anime
1: works. I guess my thing is, if this is a TV series, and we've discussed this with X-Files, and we've discussed this with a couple other properties... If you are an ongoing TV series, what is it that gives you the balls to go to the big screen? What is it that says you are worthy of paying for what I watch on TV for free? So I'm looking at this. I think the story is a step above. I think Mewtwo and the heft he brings is a step above and makes it theatrical worthy but the look of it, in my mind, does not.
3: I kind of hear both of you, and my thing is just the inconsistency in the style. The style sheet, if you will. Like, an animation like this, or any property like this, is going to need somebody, an art director, to sit down and say, here is the realm in which we can create things, and what they should look and feel and act like. And this might just be a bigger problem that I have with Pokemon in general, but I feel like there's... 10 20 30 different artists with different styles of their own that are all just kind of doing their own thing and then they all kind of just get pushed out here because it's like oh well it doesn't really make that much of a difference because there are such diverse differences in each one of these creatures so to me it's just kind of a visual mismatch of what's going on on screen beyond it just being not that great of anime style or You know, it's trying to walk that line, I think, between anime and American style, and it's not doing either one of them particularly well.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone is going to be made a fan of Pokemon because of the way they've animated it. I don't think that it will win over converts to people that like cartoons. I just don't think that the animation is strong enough, and I agree, it's consistent enough, scene by scene. Yeah, it's not movie, theatrical level quality that i would expect to pay top dollar for top dollar of course in 1999 is different than it is now (laughs) but still you're shelling out for your kids i'm sure it gets expensive to bring them there
1: and they want popcorn and they want drinks
0: but i think that it's exciting i mean i do think that once we see the storm and them trying to swim across in the treacherous waters that's always a you see it a lot in japanese animated films there's always seems to be a sea storm it's an island country. It's a point of reference to bring up the sea. I always want to see how that's dramatized. And it's pretty exciting that they got to traverse this rocky waters and waves that may in fact be drowning all life on Earth. I didn't find this to be that exciting. I wanted them to
1: get to Mewtwo again. This whole thing in the water, I was like, it's noise. It goes fast. This whole movie, the reason why there's two shorts in front of it for U.S. audiences, this actually doesn't even meet the length of what we consider a feature. Usually you have to be 80 minutes, this thing's sitting at about 75 with credits and opening company logos and everything. So nothing here feels elongated, but this was whatever to me, them getting to the island. I, I, it ends up being like this is another test. I don't know if he's flooding the earth. He just... Only the best trainers were invited, but then those best trainers have to be able to come in through this horrible storm.
0: You didn't hold your breath. I know that's a thing for you. When characters go underwater, you hold your breath. I don't know that I've ever done that for a cartoon. Yeah, it's a different stakes, isn't it? My point is, certainly from the cartoon's perspective, this would be more intense. It's maybe not blue and strobe light intense, some falling on the ground with epilepsy, but I think that fans of the cartoon would be satisfied seeing their heroes get to the island and get to Mewtwo. Who, yeah, quickly reveals his plot. He's, first of all, turned this Joy into his henchman, which is kind of creepy. I mean, she is the character that you go, no matter where you go in this world, if you walk into one of their Pokemon centers, she is the one that's going to take care of you and heal you. And uh, Is she in the game? Well, it is. It's actually, I find this to be very amusing, and I didn't get it when I first watched
1: this movie, because... Everybody's like, she looks familiar. But then, after watching a few episodes of the show, every Poke Center you go to is exactly the same in mm-hmm. this 8 bit game. You know, they're not going to waste extra bits. Right. And so, the person behind the counter is always the same graphic no matter where you go. They've smartly brought that into the cartoon and made it a little meta. And they all look alike. Are they clones? Are they sisters? What's going on? But yes, it's a running gag that everyone in the Pokey Centers always looks like this.
0: Yeah, and it stems from the fact of them not having the money or the time to redesign each one to be specific. So out of crude graphics comes a continuing joke. But this is a character that I think fans of the show would love. The idea that she's under the control of this Pokemon. And the fact that this Pokemon wants to control other Pokemons feels pretty new. That's Ash's
1: big thing is a Pokemon can't be a Pokemon trainer. But it isn't very long before combat begins. And Mewtwo is there and they're just going to have a Pokemon on Pokemon tournament where... If Mewtwo wins, which he does, he's going to take their Pokemon away from them. And he has the exact same ones that were in his spirit world, right? He's got the
0: Bulbasaur and he's got the Squirtle, just like he did when he was with the dead girl. Yeah, I don't know, again, if that short had been animated by the time they were making this. I think that came later. But because the movie came to America so late, they had what was being made for a sequel like, again. But... Yes, I think these are the classic ones, because they are what Ash tends to break out. You know, they are the earliest monsters that he finds, and they are fun in that they're of different types. You know, some are grass. One's got a flower, Bulbasaur, growing out of his back. You know, one's water. So it shows the different varieties. It's a nice menagerie. It's a good beginner set, if you will. And so the fact that, yes, they are going to get cloned and better. I mean, are they enhanced versions of them. The fact that they're going to go through some mechanical process and come out stronger and on a fighting line to wipe them out is a little purple smurf scary. Little ones are going to be a little creeped out to think that there's an evil Pikachu that might wipe him out. Yeah,
3: you had the same question I did then too because this left me a little more confused than I was coming in. Seeing this laboratory where he's, I guess, just straight up cloning them I thought maybe this was some part of an evolutionary thing. And this might be, we get to see how Pokemon do become to the next level of what they're supposed to be. But it just seems like they were just grumpy versions or grumpy clones that he had made.
0: Well, you know, that's the debate about clones in general, even in our world is like part of the fear of them is because if it doesn't come from God, maybe it doesn't have a soul. And so they're preying on that idea that the reason why we would fear uh, genetic replication is because it is not natural. It is unnatural. By definition, these things should not exist on this earth, would not exist on this earth if man didn't try to play God, so we should worry about that kind of thing. And the idea that you have a doppelganger, an evil version of yourself that wants to wipe you out. Keep in mind, these things aren't just here to battle and have fun. We're going to have genocide. Pikachu is going to die. And so is every other Pokemon trainer and their Pokemon. So that Mewtwo can just reseed the world with evolutionary copies that are better. In his mind, he is better. He is more enhanced. He can do more. And that is going to be a challenge for the real Mew. Who we should mention has been floating around in the background this whole time. Blinking in and out of the scenes.
1: More with Team Rocket than anything else. Team Rocket is stalking Ash and Mew is stalking Team Rocket. But this is really where it gets interesting to me, is like Mew2 is like this Malcolm X type person where i know there's eugenics involved but he wants to kill all the humans and he wants to kill all the uncle tom pokemon that enable them
0: yes exactly he does not see their loyalty he does not see them as enslaved and needing to be free let's break their chains and you'll come work for me he doesn't make an appeal to them i'm going to take a follicle of your hair run it through the machine And then I can just kill you because I have the best of you and can enhance it. That's pretty intense. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, the Transformers (laughs) movie. Remember, they all start by wiping out all the Autobots. I wonder if there's some kids of the 90s who have similar pangs of anxiety and confrontation. The reason why it doesn't feel as scary to me is because they don't get Pikachu. They have this whole chase scene where this ball is trying to grab him and he runs up a staircase and, If they got him and threw him in the machine and we saw evil Pikachu and thought they had won, that would be very upsetting to think about. But in fact, Ash never lets him go into the machine and they're able to free all of the ones that get caught in the balls pretty easily. So they don't prey upon the nightmarishness of the scenario. It's really only as an adult where I'm thinking about how unsettling it would be. And the
1: Transformers actually killed those robots, whereas here they're just threatening to. In fact, I find it a double take that Mewtwo is like, I'm going to kill all of you. And then he immediately turns around, I'm going to put them all in Pokeballs and they're black Pokeballs, so you know they're evil. But it's like he didn't do the murderousness that he was talking about just three minutes before.
0: And they're lining up. We're now in, in this arena. That, again, they try to break out some computer graphics to make it look expansive. Not just that. They break out a lightsaber sound. When the lights turn on in the arena,
1: it's it's a sped up Lucasfilm lightsaber sound. I'd know that anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would catch you to catch that. The thing that I wondered is I've noticed that this soundtrack, I think where it's some of the money for the budget went, is that they have real legit pop stars. I'm like, is that really Britney? Yeah, it really is Britney. That's really Christina Aguilera. I'm like, is that Lenny Kravitz that they're playing when we're seeing this mass attack of original Pokemon versus clone Pokemon, and you're hearing this sad rock song about brothers attacking brothers? It is Blessed Union of Souls. Remember them? Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) They were like the Lenny Kravitz clone. (laughs) Now I'm anti-clone. I'm like, if you're going to clone Lenny Kravitz, this has gone too damn far.
3: (laughs) Meanwhile, my brain is trying to wrap around why Mewtwo has gone to the trouble of his whole idea, his whole plan is world annihilation and starting over. Why is he luring them into a fight in a stadium that he's made with chalk outlines and a court and stadium seating and lights. Why couldn't this just be on the beach? I don't understand like why they needed to be in a stadium or why he needed a stadium.
1: I don't think he built this. This is the lab where he was created. He started by destroying it, and then after the Giovanni thing, he went back there. That's why he has all the cloning vats and everything. So that could have been there from when the last scientists were doing all of their cloning testing.
3: Uh, okay, I maybe I just gave him powers beyond what they showed. Maybe I just assumed that he had recreated all this stuff with his knowledge.
1: It's a little confusing. It, the first time I watched this, I did just think this was his lair. And that he just had this machinery. But the second time, I'm like, oh, those arms that tried to stop him in the beginning try to stop Ash later.
0: It's, It's the same lab equipment. I think it's only been a month because it's mentioned that Nurse Joy has been missing for a month. So I think he's been putting this whole plan together. Whatever he's done to this lab, yeah, he started with something and he's tweaked it. I do think he'd made it a little bit more of a, like a Pokemon game maybe by making it this arena. But I think he thinks that there's no way the clones aren't going to take every original. And it is fairly matched up. Pikachu is not going to fight some other kind of Pokemon. It's Pikachu versus Pikachu and Bulbasaur versus Bulbasaur and, and so on. Right down to Mew versus Mewtwo. And yeah, this is where Mew comes out from the shadows and tries to
1: appeal to Mewtwo's better nature, and it just ends up being another fight. I don't
0: like Mew. Can I just say there's something, yeah, he's too rodent-like, and it just feels like maybe it's just my dirty mind, but like, is Mew just like a castrated version of Mewtwo? Because when you see Mewtwo, like his midsection is bulbous, like he has these giant testicles. And so Mew (laughs) just feels like castrated version of the bad guy. That's just not a good fight to set up when you're like, you're the castrated version of the thing we're going to fight except
1: it's actually they took the peaceful kind kittenish mew and turned it into the ballsy mew too.
0: Yeah, I mean I I understand. I just again, because I do want to see fighting and presume that that is what the substance of what we've been building to, we're now like 50 minutes into this 70 minute movie, time to get down and throw down and this fight just is not one that I want to see. And every other fight is kind of get thrown. We're going to see Pikachu and Meowth be the ones to really say, I'm Gandhi and you're going to slap me and I'm not going to slap you. I think the expression that they say that my mouth drops a gate. Pokemon aren't meant to fight. Yes, that line. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> huh? I mean, because the games and the every episode I saw, like, you're going to tell me this? It's like the Autobots arguing for, like, carbon emissions and why don't you walk to school? <laughs> don't take the bus. What are you talking about? And the
1: way they say is is they're not meant to fight. Not like this. So they're meant to like, okay, I, the way I viewed it is then Pokemon tournaments are like karate matches. So you're supposed to get in the ring with the ref and Daniel San can go up against Johnny, but you're not supposed to have Johnny in the skeleton outfit, breaking Daniel San's kneecap outside the school dance. Right.
3: Yeah, it's still troublesome, though. I mean, that that analogy is still troublesome because, yeah, you can't sweep the leg, but you can kick a (laughs) dude in the face. Like, what are the (laughs) rules in this Pokemon fighting world?
1: And I get it. This is aimed at a younger audience. So let's just put a big button on it so that it's not going to go over anyone's head. How can I trust you? You was born different. Now, I mean, whether it's the current immigration discussion or racism or homosexuality, this is now a big thing of acceptance. And that's what it's going to be for the rest of it. I mean, the Mewtwo's big epiphany is the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It's what you do with that life that determines who you are. And that makes me think, well, that's not necessarily true because you could be born in a negatively impacted socioeconomic scenario.
0: But, you know, for a cartoon, that's pretty deep. Yeah, you got to have a moral. And it does feel a little bit like you get a car and you get a car. I mean, it's very Oprah speak what they turn to. The idea that we don't want to fight and we don't want to see the differences as things to attack. I mean, that's not true playing the game. I can't imagine that that wouldn't be the appeal of the game of, can my little dude take on your dude? And what is that fight going to look like? But if you have impressionable children that are going to walk out of this theater and mimic the horseplay that they saw on screen, ending this big fight by saying don't fight is probably wise. We don't want more kids going to the hospital after all. (laughs) But let's face it, the fighting here is
1: so stylized. They shoot water at each other. They shoot bubbles at each other. And when they are doing, like, punches and lightning strikes, it's super anime style, like Voltron level. Everything in the back just turns one color, and they're, like, in a frozen pose with the moving lines around them. This is so non-realistic violence that kids would have trouble doing anything more than pantomiming.
3: Right, and even at that, I'm not seeing any fighting moves really i mean it's not like the power rangers where parents were like oh geez my kids are out in the backyard hitting each other with sticks and karate chopping each other this is like well kids don't go home and try to float around and shoot lightning at each other
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the closest you get is pikachu 2 slapping pikachu across the face and that's that's as realistic as it gets and pikachu 1 is just gonna turn the other cheek like jesus
0: and like Jesus, we need to have a martyr. And in this case, we got to give the human something to do. I mean, this really has not been a movie about Ash. You guys have wondered his backstory, and this is not the movie to elaborate on that. Go watch the first five episodes of the cartoon. You're going to learn a lot more about him than anything that this movie is going to share. But he is going to sacrifice his life by coming between the laser blasts of Mew, Mewtwo, and turning. But the Carbonite—I don't like—they don't want to say dead, so they just have him colorless, lying on the ground like a stone statue. And it will be tears, the same ones that I guess Elliot revived E.T. with, to make... that Like, floating in a light show. I mean, it's (laughs) it's quite spectacular.
1: It was a line from the beginning, the origin of Mewtwo short, that, like, Pokemon tears can generate life or something. And so it's because Mewtwo was crying at the death of the little girl that he got life. And now here... They're going to have all these pokey tears resurrect Ash, who, yeah, according to the wiki description, he was merely petrified, but come on, he looked dead. Which, you
3: know, seems kind of strange in this and off tone for the movie that has dealt with death and destruction to kind of cut this short. You know, why not make it so Ash was temporarily dead? But I mean, petrified, dead, whatever. I mean, it's either one or the other. It's not that big of a deal. But yeah, the tear scene really, ugh. (laughs) They're really going for it here. I mean, we get close-ups of every different Pokemon crying. And even that's not enough. It takes special, special tears from Pikachu to finally bring him back.
0: Yeah, it was mentioned in the legend that that was what stopped that storm long ago when almost all the Pokemon died. And it's something for everyone to do. If you want all the Pokemon to participate equally, then the fact that they can all throw in a few tears and revive the boy, clear the storm clouds... And yeah, you've now have changed the heart of our villain. There are no villains anymore. Mewtwo understands true power is that birth is irrelevant. And so the, my only question is, well, how are we going to get back into the show where they are going to fight? And the answer is amnesia, amnesia for you and amnesia for you and amnesia for everyone that's going to be on the show next week. Cause you're going to fight and I don't want you to be a pacifist.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I can see where that would be a, big sticking point for somebody who who has been a fan of Pokemon and has invested time and energy in the games, the cards, the shows, to have this all be a dream, essentially. For me personally, it didn't affect me at all. I was like, okay, whatever. But that's kind of a slap in the face, isn't it? Like everything you just witnessed doesn't matter. Nobody learns from it. Nobody grows from it. It's not an experience.
0: I love it when movies are all a dream or something. You know, they just <laughs> wake up. It's so satisfying to think it was all a waste of time. But better
1: than a dream. We still have Mewtwo's arc here. Mewtwo has changed, even if the others don't remember it. And Mewtwo is who I'm connecting to in this movie. So that Mewtwo has this change of heart and comes around, they have made him and done a surprisingly good job of doing this, of making him a sympathetic villain. He wants genocide, and yet because, again, of that origin short and everything else, I don't hate him and to see him come around at the end and have this epiphany is satisfying even if all the other characters who didn't even really matter except as an instrument to help me to learn the lesson just forget it ever happened but will we forget it ever happened justin stewart do you choose recommend or not recommend Justin.
3: Uh, This whole series is going to be hard to recommend or not recommend. I mean, are you a fan of Pokemon already? And are you going back and seeing if your childhood was a lie? Or is it something you're hoping still held some nostalgia for you? Or are you an adult like me who's always kind of known Pokemon's been around but never really checked it out much? You know, so it's very much going to depend on your own personal circumstances where you come down on a movie like this for me this was my introduction to the animation like i said up front i've played pokemon go a little bit i have a son who was ripe for this like he had some of the games he had some of the toys he had the cards but it never struck me i never liked the style of it it felt very much like a hobby more than entertainment to me so it's just kind of something that's always been there never really grabbed me so coming into this, I was kind of hoping for some history. I was kind of hoping to get sucked into this lore, but I feel like this isn't the movie to do that for. So if you're if you're like me and you want to find out where Ash comes from and why Pikachu's his buddy, this is obviously not the place to start. This is a confusing jumping off point for people who are already immersed in this world and are looking forward to seeing Mewtwo for the first time on the big screen, whatever that means. So, if I'm looking at this just as entertainment as a movie, I'm glad it was short. It was pretty breezy. It wasn't offensive. It's pretty rote. You know, there's things in here that I suppose we talked about can be a good lesson, which is fighting isn't always the answer. Let's get along. But at the end of the day, this is nothing I feel like I need to come back to. And especially since it doesn't even stick to its own lore, where this is going to be something that you need to know about going forward with the series... Ugh. it just really kind of puts me on that teetering side of it's a not
0: recommend because it's not necessary. Stuart. Well, you know, I'm the super fan, so I love it all. It's terrific. I decided to go a more poetic route. I decided I'm going to give my summation as haiku. If you know the Japanese poem art form, five syllable, seven syllable, five syllable, brief thoughts to just sort of encapsulate everything that I feel Thinking about this first movie. So, a clone of a Mew will always appear tiny next to Akira. Forever resent the fact that you are a copy of arrogant God. Those with the balls may see themselves as masters, yet cannot squirtle. The purpose of life is to train all the monsters, but never allow war. A green arrow glows only for those who dream of Pokemon slavery. Thank you. I think that says it all. <laughs> It really does. I need a little clarification. (laughs) Is that a recommend? A green arrow glows, Arnie. Yes, but only for certain people. (laughs) Yes, that's. Did I say red?
1: And for me, I'm actually surprised. You know, I honestly just figured we got five of these animated things, and I figured each of them would be more torturous than the last, and Five Red Arrows. I thought I was going to be longing for the heady days of Children of the Corn. But no, they had stuff in here that actually appealed to me. Not me pretending to be a child or anything else. The Mewtwo stuff was surprisingly involving. I actually wondered how that would end. Is it something that I would have felt my life was empty if I hadn't seen? No, but... Did I actually enjoy watching it? Yeah, I did. Mm. So, yeah, I'm actually going to give it a recommend. And if this is what it means to be a Pokemon movie, it is so much better. Then what I saw as the Pokemon TV series, I'm optimistic about the next five weeks.
0: Well, let me tell you then, there is a sequel, and it is one that we will not be covering because it is a one-hour, non-theatrical TV episode that came out in the third season. I did watch it. It's called Mewtwo Returns. And basically, it's going to wrap up everything that was left ambiguous when Mewtwo floated away with his clones and you wanted to know with burning passion, what was he going to do? He's going to go sulk in a mountain that is very inhospitable to life, that has really changing climate that no human can approach. And he's filled with self-hatred. He's brooding that, do clones have the right to share the air with those that were born in this world? And so I'm thinking he might be opening a vein here. And both (laughs) Ash and Team Rocket, through complete coincidence, discover this mountain at the same time. And there's another big battle. Giovanni comes down to use his high tech and try and get him back. It does have more exciting action than this movie. But ultimately, it is less satisfying. It feels like it has less fresh. Mewtwo is kind of more of a pill. And this time he dies instead of Ash He's going to be the one that gets zapped, and they have this magical lake that brings him. Rather than cry, because no one's feeling anything, they just throw him in the water for 10 seconds, and he's fine.
1: I don't think I need to see that. I think I'm happy with Mewtwo just flying off to consider the meaning of life.
0: Yeah, I wish he would give me amnesia. I don't need Mewtwo returns. But it's out there if you just want a button on what might have happened. It's just
1: funny, because I just look at this, and you know the parallel that kept coming to my mind? is Star Trek The Motion Picture. And how Spock had that mind meld with V'ger, and V'ger was having this existential crisis, and is this all I am? Is there nothing more? And to see that done here in a far more economical way than was ever done in Star Trek The Motion Picture... I was happily surprised.
0: There is a olive branch to people that want to think about the deep themes of science fiction. If you like science fiction, I don't know that it's for you, but there's stuff here that you will at least like considering. And I do think that, yeah, if you like sci-fi, consider being a donor as well. This Friday, we are going to be getting to a sci-fi classic, Forbidden Planet, with Robbie the Robot and Leslie Nielsen. Yes, it is out there for patrons of $10 or more at
1: nowplayingpatron.com. And I'm just going to advocate, you know, through our Podbean site, all our previous donation series are out there. And if you're a patron, you're going to get over 20 patron-exclusive reviews. Now playing podcasts. Got to catch them all, right? You got to listen
0: to all our reviews. Although I can't imagine someone that would like all of the movies. There's such a wide variety. But that's what makes it interesting is like we're covering Pokemon the movie. Next week, Captain Marvel. We will be taking a pokey break leprechaun's going to return on saint patrick's day so many different franchises that come back to (laughs) haunt me like the ghost of christmas past but eventually in two weeks we will get to the sequel pokemon 2000 so thank you for listening we'll talk to you friday with forbidden
1: planets justin stewart thank you for joining me now i'm taking my pokeballs and going home game over The right thing.
3: I know we did the right thing, Jesse. And it feels great.
1: Well, this is it then. <sighs> Let's not say goodbye.
2: Let's just say.
0: We're going to die.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show.
0: A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon.
2: Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast.
1: Thank you all for everything. Maybe I'll see you again, someday.
2: Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. Case closed, but still open until I solve it. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. I could use pads. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien, Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park Ghostbusters Indiana Jones Lord of the Rings Psycho Troll and more Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate There's another credit on Pikachu's charge account We've got to grab it You can also join the Now Playing patron campaign through our Podbean site Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. Take the treasure and put it there. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. I haven't seen this many strange letters since the last time I placed a personal ad. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho.
3: Yeah, you're right, I can do it. I'm the chosen one.
2: Associate produced by Jason Latham.
1: He's always the hero. We're
2: always a zero. Now Playing's video game retrospective series is edited by Heath and Arnie. Humans may have created me, but they will never enslave me. This cannot be my destiny. Now Playing Credits, read by Brock. Did you just understand me? Oh my god! You can understand me! Stop! I've been so lonely! The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. That's a twist. That's very twisty. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. He's saying you can shove it. What? I can shove it? Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vinganza Media Incorporated and may not be used without the expressed written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated, all rights reserved. Listen up. We got ways to make you talk or mine. Now playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2019. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I know, you can't understand me, but I will electrocute you! But once
1: a happy ending. Team Rocket's Rock signing, signing off again. <laughs> <laughs> Pokémon the first movie, I choose you, <laughs> starring Veronica Taylor, Akune Otane, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> no worries, that's I, not how I feel. <laughs> And he'd give you your first Pokemon. And you could choose between a Squirtle, a Bulbasaur, or a... Charmander. Charmander. I was
0: thinking Clefairy. Don't get one of those. <laughs> My least favorite guy, I gotta say. <laughs>
1: I was really into the theme song, repeat after me, I need a vacation. And then I found out it was Vitamin
0: C. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that she went on from that one hit of graduation. No, she her biggest hit was Smile. I don't know that one. I guess I just need to to brush up. Well, like, can we talk about Vitamin C because I would much rather do that <laughs> than <laughs> this. I found out she's now the head of music at Nickelodeon. <laughs> she works with a
1: friend of mine. <laughs> oh, Huh? Huh? huh?